Welcome, everybody, to this week's May Trexit discussion group call for Tactical Sovereignty. Like I always say, this wonderful Sunday, first day of the week, not the seventh, and therefore also not the Sabbath. And uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about taking action. What kind of action we should take? I know when I first started researching things, of course, uh, one of these rabbit holes, most people fall down first, and a lot of people are stuck in all their life, and they don't even realize it, is the Patriot rabbit hole. And I looked at what was being accomplished and what was occurring, whether things were, you know, positive situations or negative situations. And far too often I saw that they were very much negative situations. Like I've said before, many of these patriots end up dying in prison or alongside the road or in a snowbank, unfortunately, because they never really comprehend what is happening, how things are really being run, how things are really being controlled, and end up spending a lot of time whacking at the branches instead of going for the root. I've said many times, you know, when you encounter a problem, try and get as close to the original source of when it began as you can. That's where you're going to find your answers at. Unfortunately, most people just look at surface-level issues and problems without ever really digging down in and getting to the root of what's really going on, how things really got started. And that is of the utmost importance in every situation, in any situation, actually. <laughs> I'm going to start out this night talking about a uh, story that happened around 945, well, exactly 945 A.D. At least we're told that's the date of it. We know all our dates and everything's have been changed, um, just like the Sabbath, right? And this story is particular to Kiev, which I found very interesting since today, I think Ukraine is in the headlines quite a bit. So I thought this is kind of a colorful story to uh, let people know about. Because when it comes right down to it, we are affected by the decisions of our rulers, the decisions of the lawmakers, sometimes on a smaller scale, sometimes on a much broader scale, like you'll see in this story. And when we're choosing to take action, I would say really the first action probably that we should take is in educating ourselves. That's the most important thing. Because a lot of the beliefs that people hold on to, these beliefs become really people's identity. And they hold tightly onto those beliefs because it becomes part of them, whether they realize it or not. That's why you'll see arguments between Democrats and Republicans and between different factions of people with different beliefs. Because those beliefs are their identity. And so when those beliefs are attacked, they take it personally because their identity to them is being attacked. So back to this story. Uh, this story uh, centers around a princess by the name of Helga, uh, also known as Princess Olga. She was actually turned into a saint uh, by the Orthodox Church 
there in Europe, uh, St. Olga of Ukraine is what she's known as. Um, also takes place, in, this is in the uh, Belarus area, if anybody's a history buff at all or not. But she was the princess regent from 945 to 960. And the, and the difference between like a regular princess or a regular queen is that a regent, for instance, a regent queen, she's standing in for someone else. And it's a relative. In this case, it was her son. Her son was three years old at the time that she became basically queen regent. And the reason why is because her husband, the king, had been killed. The killing of the king. And he was killed because, well, first we have to understand really how things were set up back at this time. And it was very tribal. You had all these different towns. I think of them kind of as, say, the states in the United States of America. And so you had all these different tribal areas that were ruled by a ruling family, for instance, or by their patriarchs who had taken power and whichever way they took power from. And they paid tribute to a king that held more of the land around that whole area. And part of it was for protection. <laughs> and a lot of times, as you'll see in this story, it was for protection maybe from even the king himself. Well, there was the Druvians, were one of the tribes that were paying tribute to the king. Um, but this king was uh, King Engvar. And for numerous reasons, they had quit paying tribute. And I'm going to try and simplify this story down a little bit. But after a while, he said, you know, it's been a while since I've paid their tribute. Let me go to them, see what's going on. So he took a bunch of soldiers and went there. And uh, they, they were, of course, impressed by the amount of soldiers he brought and thought, yeah, it'd be a wise idea, you know, to pay him the tribute that they owned. And so they paid the tribute they owed, and he went on his merry way. But as he was leaving, he wasn't quite all that merry. And he was thinking, you know, his ego, I think, really was kicking in, and he thought, this is ridiculous. Well, what do these people think I am that they could go without paying me tribute? Like there was going to be no retribution from me. He thought, you know, in fact, they, they should pay me even more just because of, you know, feeling this haughty, you know, or maybe even interest on the money that had been paid. And so he made a very unwise move. He sent the majority of his troops back onto the city, and he took a small part of them and went back to the Druvians again. And he told them, you know, this is bullshit. You should have paid me more money. Uh, you owe me more. You guys think you're superior to me, that you could just blow me off, you know. And they got really ticked off. And he said, oh, this is BS. We've already given him the money. Now he's coming back wanting more from us. And so they actually attacked him and his soldiers. And they took this king and pulled down two birch trees, younger birch trees, and attached each leg 
to a tree and let the trees flop back up again. But of course, you would know what would happen to a man in that situation, and his body was split in two. So they sent on ahead to his capital uh, a group of, I don't know, lower-level emissaries, I would say, and informed the new princess regent what had happened and said, listen, your town is going to be vulnerable now. The kingdom is vulnerable because you are without a king. Why don't you marry a real king? Marry our king. And she told them, you know, let me think about it for the night and come back tomorrow. And the next day when they came back, she promptly had them thrown into a ditch and buried them alive. At which time she sent some of her soldiers back to the Juvians, to their king, and said, you know, she really thinks this is a good idea that she marry you. However, she doesn't feel that you sent a very classy group of emissaries to give her this offer. This is a big event. You should be sending, you know, your, your best rulers, your heads of state to go to her. And so they did that. And when they arrived there, the new princess regent said, well, you know, before we sit and meet and discuss this, you guys have been on the road. You're dirty, sweaty, whatever the case may be. Why don't you freshen up? You can use my bathhouse. Well, of course, once they went into her bathhouse, she promptly had the doors barred and burned the bathhouse down, burning them alive. And then she went and grabbed a bunch of her soldiers again, and she went herself on ahead to the kingdom of the Druvians. When she arrived there, of course, the king was like, hey, where are all my men at? And she said, oh, I was too excited to come. I rode on up ahead. They'll be following. They'll be coming after. And she said, but first, before we have this ceremony, uh, we need to have a banquet. We need to have a feast in memory of my late husband. It would only be the right thing to do. And he agreed. And she also told her officers, don't drink any alcohol at this banquet. Later on during the banquet, she gave the sign to her officers at which they promptly started attacking all of the rulers and head leaders of the Juvians. I've read various accounts of it, and many of these accounts state that more than 5,000 people were slaughtered. All of the ruling families there are wiped out. Later on, of course, the people of the Juvians were very dismayed by all of the things that had gone on. Uh, they had learned about all the previous people that she had killed, plus they had seen what happened there in their own city, in their own capital. And so that they, of course, pled for mercy from her. And she said, you know, I'll make things easy on you. She said... Send me 
three doves, three pigeons, and three sparrows from each family, from each household. That's all I want as a tribute from you. And, of course, people thought, oh, gosh, that's easy. That's simple. And so they did that. After which, her men went and tied some sulfur to the legs of those birds. And I don't know if they lit the sulfur, put a fuse on them, <laughs> what the case was. But, of course, they let them go. And so those birds went back to their respective coats, eaves, and coops of the city. And the whole city was burned down. After which, a few of the people that were captured were sold into slavery, or she kept them herself and <laughs> made them continue to pay tribute. Because she said, look, all the other people in the surrounding areas, they're all paying their tribute and not having a problem. You guys gave us a problem. Those people paid dearly for the decision of their leaders to kill her husband, the late King Ingvar. And we need to realize, going through history, even in modern times, you know, as the people of Libya, Afghanistan, or Iraq, if they don't pay for the decisions of their leaders, we also pay, though, for the decisions of the education that we get. That's why I say really the first action that should be taken is educating ourselves well. And we have to look at where a lot of this education comes from because a lot of it is truly just false information. And not just incorrect information, but things that can actually cause harm to you. When you look at information that's provided to you uh, we need to realize if you go to like i've said the alphabet agencies and how they decipher the information that they get stop and think about for instance the cia their name is the central intelligence agency why is that because intelligence intel is the highest form that you're going to get it comes in three levels. Information is the first level, which is the, just the plethora of data that you'll see and that you'll find online. A second level is knowledge. This is getting down a little deeper into whatever the situation is. This is more of the real underlying facts behind things. And a third level is intelligence. And this is... Normally, the intelligence that is held secretly may be information that's only put out on a need-to-know basis. I think it's, it's funny if you're watching the news. Remember years ago when there's different arguments about things that were going on in the Middle East that some of the talking heads on TV said, oh, we got uh, bad intelligence. No, you didn't is you didn't get intelligence. You got information or maybe a little bit of the underlying knowledge. If you had gotten real intelligence, you would have had the actual fact-based knowledge of, of what was actually happening. 
instead of you know faulty info uh, such as say maybe weapons of mass destruction things like that gee how would you know that somebody had something well maybe if you had given it to them that's a pretty good sign but there's too much useless information out there and I look at it as basically not being actionable information. When I say actionable information, I'm talking about something you can actually use, something that can become a tool, something you can do something with. But there's a way too much out there that people stumble on when they first try to do their form of research, which it seems like today, uh, so many people where I ask them, Many times I'll say, well, where did you get that from? You know, and, and they'll point me to a TikTok or an Instagram, which seems to be the most common place, especially younger people today, are getting their information from. They're definitely not getting knowledge or intelligence there. They're getting really just surface-level fluff, no matter what the topic is on. Because in a lot of those topics, when I dig down deeper and ask them deeper questions about things that they should really know about it. Say, for instance, like in a trust situation, you know, I ask them, well, how do you prove a trust? Well, this guy, you have to listen to this guy. He knows it all. He, he gives out. Some, and I said, good. Then he should be able to tell you how you prove that a trust exists. What well, has he told you about that? And you get crickets. I'll maybe mention a certificate of trust. No idea. No clue. Well, evidently, this guy hasn't given them one of the very basic things you need to know if you're going to try and say that you're holding an office within a position of a trust, uh, whether it's a grantor, the settler, uh, a trustee, or beneficiary, or say maybe a trust protector. A lot of people don't even know what that is. So got to really look close at where you're getting your information from. Is it knowledge or is it even deeper? Is it intel? Is it intelligence? One of the first things that I notice as well, I always check whenever I see anybody trying to teach anything, is I ask you know, or look to see where are they getting their information from? Are they providing source material? that you can go and learn even more about what they're talking about? Or are they trying to hold a position of being the one with all the answers? You don't have to go anywhere else. I'm giving you everything. Well, nobody can give you everything. They need to be giving you some source material. Uh, people ask me, for instance, about starting to learn, what, especially when it comes like to law. I always refer people to read uh, the preliminaries for the Law of Nations. That book is a huge book. In fact, it's four books compiled over 700 pages. But you read the preliminaries, which is only about 12 pages long, you're going to get your head wrapped around it really good. Or go and read uh, Blackstone's commentaries on the law of England. That'll give you a really good, firm foundation on what's happening. But too often, all these people are providing that. Instead, they're giving out really what comes down to junk information. It's definitely not actionable intelligence. Many of these things fall under categories of like um, the gold fringe flag, 
or affixing a red fox stamp on your document or claiming to be an American national or invoking common law, being a secure party creditor, putting your red thumbprint on a document. Oh, and also with that document, you got to make sure of what color of ink you're using. And with that red fox stamp, you know, make sure and sign your name at a 45 degree angle across it, which cancels it and gives you some sort of UPU authority. I never quite figured that one out. Uh, the argument of traveling versus driving. We watched a short clip last week when Jeremy Baker was on with us, and that judge in a section of it even said to the gentleman, because he wanted to argue, well, I'm not driving, I'm traveling. And the judge said, fine. Um, you are being held guilty for traveling without a license. <laughs> said, fine, we'll use that if that's what you want to do. People that point to like the all caps name, that's normally one of the first things that are brought up that kind of awakens people. Yeah, there's a little bit of validity to that. But what are you going to use that for? What are you going to do with that? This is surface stuff that should actually lead you to start studying and researching the real things laying behind all of it. Or people that claim that um, you're seen as dead or that you know, you're a corporation. Um, it's impossible for you to be a corporation, like I've said many times before, because a corporation requires some elements, and you don't have any of them, like letters of incorporation or officers within your corporation. How can you physically be a corporation? A corporation is made up of a body of people who have come together under one intention to do something. So it's not a single man or woman. Or one of my favorites is law, saying that law is an acronym that stands for land, air, and water. If anybody can find me that listed anywhere, please forward that to me. I'd love to see that. Just like people claiming that the word understand uh, means to stand under. Rest in peace, Jordan Maxwell. I know he was one of the people that promoted that idea. But I've searched high and low. There is no reference anywhere to that being a definition for understand. It just sounds fun. It's sexy sounding. And that's the stuff people fall for. So you can fill in the blanks. There's many more other things just like this that is not actionable information. It's, it's nothing that you can use to accomplish anything. Uh, unless maybe your goal is to amuse a courtroom or something like that. Make people laugh. Yeah, that'll probably work for that. The, these claims really just show a lack of education and research. That's all you are proving to anybody with this stuff. And I'm sorry, research does not include listening or reading from Carl Lentz, Romney Stewart, or David Robinson, respectively. Yeah. Many of these don't even, like I said before, provide any resource material as to something that will back 
what they're claiming. Like I said, you know, you really want to get in and start learning. Read the preliminaries of the Law of Nations. I read William Blackstone's commentaries. They're easily accessible online. I mean, I've got them even posted within Tactical Sovereignty. People can check them out. But this is where a method really of taking action is found. And the ultimate action really is in separation. Because only when the slave master is stripped of his slaves is he neutralized. And that's really what everyone is after. Bottom line, people just want to be left alone. It's that simple. I don't know if anybody had anything they want to bring up. Who else with us? I'll open up mics if anybody wants to identify a question or something like that. So if you don't want to be unmuted, just make yourself back out. Otherwise, we can call this a night. But I know a lot of people are going to come and say, oh, I've done this, I've done this, and this was the result. Well, how do you know that that one little thing you did is what got you the results that you found? Well, there's a lot of things that I've been seeing lately, uh, especially people showing film, for instance, of being pulled over or whatever, and they're making these claims of being a state national, which is nothing other than a citizen. Those words are synonymous with each other and showing all this paperwork to the cops and stuff like that. And that actually flags them to the idea that you could possibly be dangerous. And these guys just want to go home to their families. So what do you think they're going to do? But some of them may tase you and throw you, to throw you in jail. And a lot of them might just back off and let you be on your way. Because they don't want problems. They're not making that much money to do this job. People need to realize that. But this is kind of the end, I think, of this four-part series regarding rabbit holes are really rabbit traps, because they are. You're being set down these rabbit holes with all of this information that's useless. It does nothing. If people really want to learn, like I said, I've mentioned a couple sources there where you can start studying from. Go take a class in law or something like that. Yeah, get your head wrapped around what's really happening and really arm yourself. Because one of the things I don't want to do, I don't want to battle all these people. That was a choice I made a long time ago. But there's some people that love the battle. Well, if you love the battle, then you need to arm yourself. And the best way to arm yourself is to educate yourself. I couldn't recommend that any higher. Otherwise, thank you all. It's been a wonderful week this week. Looking forward to an exciting week coming up. I have a friend that has been kind of out of the picture for a few years. <laughs> and he's kind of, you could say, gone to hell and back in the system. And he feels strongly in the same way. People are using these things that do nothing for them or they maybe even hurt them even further. And we need to focus on things that actually work. And he may come on with us here in the next week or two and talk about some of those things. But until then, everybody have a wonderful week. Thank you for being here. 
and we'll catch you next Sunday night. And always remember, learn who you really are, where you're really from, and where you're really at. So nothing is more important than that. Good night.